0: My name is Ian Rowlands and I'm Colin Williams and the hushed tones you hear of us (laughs) of Beneath the Stream, podcasting from the ruins of Greyfriars Priory at night. What an amazing
1: place you've brought us to Ian because we're kind of hunkered in behind a stone and flint wall. I don't know if you could hear that but there's owls calling from the surrounding woodland as we walked in here as the dusk was gathering. Um, we could hear the sort of last of the day's calls of lapwings in
0: the fields nearby
1: and it's an extremely atmospheric place
0: yeah it's wonderful isn't it so um dating from the 10th century onwards um, there are some bare ruins that we're huddled amongst uh, actually in a a window archway is where mm. we're, we're crouched at the moment um, just a short step away is is the cliff top so we're in dunwich where the the ruined medieval City and important port of Dunwich has crumbled away into the sea, mm. and uh, in fact the graveyard is is one of the few things remaining. One gravestone left. That's amazing. Uh, dating from 1796, and the ruins of the abbey that uh, and the friary that we're, we're crouched in here. So, uh, so it's a wonderful place, Ian. But why
1: have you brought us here at this ungodly hour? Uh, well, at the end of January, when it's absolutely
0: freezing cold. Okay, so. Brashai, the French-Hungarian photographer, who rose to prominence in the 1920s, 1930s, said night does not show things, it suggests them. It disturbs and surprises us with its strangeness. It liberated forces within us, which are dominated by our reason during the daytime. Mm-hmm. It's night. So we're, uh, we're, we've dealt with night before, yeah. but as a return to night, because I'm really interested in how night Distorts our world, uh, and it's the um, the unfamiliarity really of the the night world and as we become ever more separated, I think from what is not human, uh, the creatures around us, the darkness, the silence um, myth spirit um the night is a way to to reconnect with some of those things because it's it's distorting reality for us, and that's that's really why I wanted to bring us here. And not least because it's one of the most haunted places. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> in Suffolk. But we'll come to that later on. So, um, well,
1: well, it's interesting, isn't it? And and I'll be keen as we talk to explore the fact that we've already explored night in a previous podcast um, from the comfort of our home, mm-hmm. um, and we we're able to reflect on night there from the perspective of being indoors and it being daytime um the reason i'm excited about recording this part two of this discussion about night actually out in the night is that you know i feel as if our perspectives and our um, observations and the things we say are going to be differently tinged now yeah. that we're out here
0: yeah it's charged with the possibility of the ghostly friar peering around the corner of the wall in front of us, but also the sound of tawny owls, the fact that uh, what we can really perceive around us is what's immediate close up and in the the glimmer of this torchlight and Mm. uh, as we sit in these flint and stone walls. that humans have always found the night a time of um, that associate with danger or maybe evil because it's the other um, but I get this feeling that, that even more than our ancestors would have felt the night is now filled with terrors for most people mm. uh, I think we discussed this the last time we, we dealt with the night but it is a place where our vulnerability and our danger from other humans or physical survival or Encounters with things that, that oh suddenly you turned your head, Colin. Was there a ghostly figure? No,
1: I I was I was really just thinking it's getting really dark now.
0: It's yeah, I mean we began um, being able to see a little further
1: than yeah. the immediate walls and now And seeing the horizon quite clearly with the trees and and other things and, and some maybe some buildings in the distance, but we can't really see it almost any of that, the now. darkness
0: is completely wrapped around us, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. I I feel very comfortable yeah. out at night, and yeah. uh, that's easy to say. But and you too, I think. So.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. I do feel comfortable. I feel, you know, perhaps more comfortable in company. Um, so there's little vestiges of fear still remain, I think, but more 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 comfortable because you are here um, <laughs> than I would do if I was in the ruins of a 10th century priory on my own. I get it. Um, I get it. But but I, I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you. you were...
0: No, I was thinking about the whole notion of sort of um, as you were talking about darkness wrapped around us, about night has fallen. You know, that's yeah. the phrase that we use, isn't it? It's fallen around yeah. us. So, um yeah we, we're, we're a day active species so mm. um, it's also because you mentioned it it's the way our eyes function is really curious isn't it you know i was um i was recently uh i was at a museum and they had a um, a stuffed tarsier you know each of their eyeballs is bigger than their brain
1: yeah
0: you know they have this huge mechanism for gathering light and you know you and i don't <laughs> yeah, our, our eyeballs sort of, you know, the pupils are expanding to, to let in light. It's an aperture uh, and we have the rods and cones at the back of the eye processing things. But the, the rod cells can only see black and white and poor resolution but remain a bit more sensitive in low light, which are in our peripheral vision. So I just caught you looking around then and it's like out of the corner of your eye you see slightly more than when we, we look directly at things. So yeah, that's
1: interesting, isn't it? And I wonder if that... Gives rise to some of the um, fears we we lay at night's door. Yeah. Um, Because if everything is, you know, you hear, uh, uh, you know, ghost stories in fiction often talk about seeing things out of the corner of one's eye. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a there's a ghost story by M. R. James called "A Warning to the Curious," um, where he talks about the thing the ghost the presence having a power over his eyes so that he ah. he always sees it in the periphery but every time he tries to look directly at it it's it's not there he can't he can't conf- he's finding it difficult to confront it because he can't look at it um, and it as you say maybe just that little bit of science about what yeah what we see in the yeah. corner of our eye gives rise to some of those uh, those feelings that humans have developed about night over the years
0: mm, I, I i like it and i think um night falling around us and are struggling to cope with that it, it's, it's funny it's interesting because if you want to adjust your eyes to the darkness you know that you have to prepare by being in the dark and let them adjust or cover your eyes with your hands um you would think for us we would have adjusted to this darkness because it's gradually fallen around us. Mm. But in a way, we're sitting with a, a flashlight a torch here and it's it's distorted our ability. actually your your face is gleaming back at me in the torchlight, and if I look into the blackness through the church window here, it's interminably black. <laughs> it is it is and, and, and it's fascinating. I'm, I met a, uh,
1: a young woman just in this last week who is from a very small town in um, western Brazil so uh, a town that is deep in the rainforest really uh, and I guess it's been, it's been well urbanised now but you wouldn't have to go very far to get into rainforest and wild country and um, her, her English is not great and it's the first time she's ever been out of her town it's the first time she's ever been out wow. of her town and the first time ever out of Brazil and she is of indigenous heritage as well, not European heritage and um, her English is not great, and so we, we were struggling to communicate. but she was talking about the darkness um, here in the u k um, and she had as far as she was concerned, um, England is now goes dark at five o'clock and her perception was that it would always go dark at five o'clock huh. because where she lives in in equatorial parts of the world um when uh, as as you know uh, when night falls it falls hard and fast yeah. and it falls at the same time all the time um and when we explained that uh, in come the summer at nine thirty, ten o'clock it will still be light she had no um conception of that she didn't understand how that could be um i think intellectually she she understood it but couldn't um kind of get it um and was was extremely surprised and and we we talked she wanted to ask about it over and over and over again that the dark that the night would come at a different time mm. um she struggled to grasp and it, that's interesting because I, 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 what I wanted to ask her about, the language barrier prevented me, was in all sorts of detail about, well, then how does that make you feel about the night when it's fully expected and <laughs> when, you know, you can time it. You yeah. can say, right, now it's night time. Um, but for us, night comes gradually. It's, it, it, it's different times in different seasons. And all of those different variables um, mean that we have varying relationships with it. But for her, that thing was fixed. The it's interesting,
0: of isn't it? It's a, it's another distortion. It's mm. another time distortion, actually, because you know there's a there's a, an expected time. How wonderful! Mm. I really like that. Mm. I was actually thinking that because we're sitting here, uh, I am facing east. Actually, I'm looking out to where the sunrise would be. You're you're looking back at me. Over my shoulder would be would be west. And Margaret Atwood questioned why it is that we say night falls instead of rising like the dawn. And she said, if you look east at sunset, you can see night rising. And I quite like that idea that, um, you know, the the sun is is disappearing over in the west and the darkness rises, Uh, rises in the sky from the east and gradually envelops the world. She says, darkness lifting into the sky up from the horizon like a black cloud, like smoke from an unseen fire, a line of fire just below the horizon. Maybe night falls because it's heavy, though a thick curtain pulled up over the eyes. I wanted to move on to ghosts. Let's <laughs> oh, do it. But I think, from that point of view that we're talking about, the, the distorted reality, because um, as most people who look into whatever that phenomenon is, there's no logical reason why ghost spirits, the malign, should be more active at night. No. You know, no. plenty of ghostly occurrences. People do see things in in the daytime, but we associate it with the night. And it's it feels to me there's no evidence for, for ghosts being a nighttime phenomenon, other than um, charlatans wanting to make people think there are ghosts can take advantage of the night and say because mm. our senses are warped and twisted by that. Yes, or we fool ourselves. It it does. You're right. It makes night makes it much
1: easier to sell the story Um, and you know somebody who tells a story of coming home from the pub and seeing something (laughs) at two o'clock in the afternoon in June is not going to get nearly as much credence as you know if they told that story they're immediately blind drunk and they're making it up Um, to tell that story about you know one o'clock in the morning in December even if you were coming home from the pub and suddenly the story's going to take on much more credence isn't
0: it 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 takes on an edge so to remind ourselves we're sat here I'm going to scan the torch around and there's sort of uh, very ancient flint walls that Mm. are probably um, 13th century something like that that were huddled around, the the stars are in the sky a meadow stretches away from the ruins and then the graveyard and the woods tumbling into the sea. Uh so that's the scene set. And this place has a, a litany of ghost stories Does associated it? with <laughs> it. Exciting. Um unsurprisingly, the ghosts of monks are seen yes, well, <laughs> at a friary. Fair um enough. which is interesting. The, the ghostly monks that walk the Dunnage coastline. Um disembodied children's laughter has been heard here. And finally, a large phantom dog was seen around these ruins in 1926. Ah, the old phantom dog. Black Shuck. Yeah. So a, a feature of East Anglia. Interestingly, the Black Shuck is worth a podcast in its own Probably. right. Because of yeah. the story. Really, it's almost like Odin's Hound might yes. be the origins for yes. this, brought by the Vikings to the east coast of England. But anyway, Black Shuck is seen. Anyway, let me just continue, because we should be listening out for the sound of church bells. Coming from beneath the ocean, Mm. because once a busy port town, that the churches are now beneath, and uh, but people report hearing hearing church bells, Um, herds of invisible grazing animals. (laughs) (laughs) That's an yeah, not so Uh, threatening. It's an unusual haunting. Uh, The ghostly figure of an Elizabethan sailor walking into the ocean in search of his boat. Um, There's the former leper hospital now, now ruins in the churchyard near to us. Prone to strange shaped shadows. I love that description. What what is a strange shaped shadow, is it? Well
1: well indeed, and as you shone your torch around the walls here, there's 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 two layers of walls. So we're looking Mm -hmm. at a wall immediately here, and then there's another wall behind. And of course as you run your torch over the over the first wall, the the, it it throws a shadow onto the (laughs) second wall. If your mind was such, you could easily turn that into something. It looks
0: like a human figure, doesn't it? It really does. It looks really like does. a human figure.
1: And, and, and it's, and it's um, all these little things, all these little sensory mm-hmm. wobbles that that you talked about at the, at the top of the podcast all come into play when you know you're walking along a footpath with a torch. Next to a leper chapel, <laughs> um, a ruined leper chapel, in a and place suddenly...
0: reputed to have pale phantoms.
1: Yes, yeah, suddenly yeah. strange shadows and pale yeah. phantoms can can appear, can't they? Mm.
0: Uh, a pair of disembodied legs were seen in two thousand and eleven, following people along the trail of that wood, that wall in the distance there. Right. Um, and my, my, my favourite one is. is we, we've dealt with this before and other things, but. Uh, Hobby lanterns, okay, which is the local name for sort of will o' the wisps. Is it? Yes, for the marsh gases. Uh, disin- yes. Marsh gases, disembodied lights. Hobby lanterns were said to lure people off the paths around mm. Dunwich at night. Yeah, after that... they extinguish the victim's own flashlight, yeah. <laughs> he said, turning it off and plunging us and, into and total you, darkness. And as you plunges
1: into darkness, first of all, the principality of the sky now appears as it does, which is slightly lighter than it feels like when the torch was on. Yeah. And there is clearly some sort of spotlight or something from the local village or
0: nearby town.: I think actually, yeah, we're possibly even looking up towards um, Southwold and the lighthouse. Oh ah, okay, uh, so it's that's not moving, but uh, the, the, the coastal,
1: it's, it's another clue to we will walk towards the thing we think is safety. Uh, we are going to in darkness, we will walk towards the light, yeah, because uh, darkness is bad and light is good.
0: It's so ingrained in us. I think it's really interesting that um, the lights are quite a feature of this coast too. I mean, there's Lantern Marshes to the south of us here, mm. out towards the Orford Ness Lighthouse. Yeah. But uh, but Lantern Marshes also has a a reputation for these hobby lights, the mm. mysterious lights seen, which you know, in, in the cold light of day, we'd be thinking that's that's humans, isn't it? That's, yes. Yeah. That's, that's human lights. I've yeah. I've been out at night on remote marshes and seen. Disembodied lights moving, and of course they turn out to be fishermen. Yeah, um, and
1: indeed, in the last night podcast, you told your story about seeing uh, yeah. uh, uh, some marsh gas, marsh gas it? in mm.
0: Hangman's Wood. Yeah, I mean uh, that was uh, what a place to see. Uh, it. I have never moved so quickly in my life, <laughs> but heading for the, for the pub. Yes, you know, hadn't hadn't been in the pub. Not, I shouldn't even need to say, but it's the safety, <laughs> yes, <laughs> safety yeah. of the pub. Yeah, um, so interesting. Of course, ghosts are a really ancient. Belief. Uh, I was re- remembering that ghosts appear in Homer's Odyssey in the mm. Iliad. Mm. So, the notion of these vapors—how does it, how's it, Homer describe as a, a vapor, gibbering and whining into the earth. You know, it's a wonderful atmospheric description. So, so that concept and these things being seen when our perceptions are distorted—it's like, a very ancient one. Mm. Um, in a and, pre- and, and indeed, in in
1: in the Old Testament. Yep. And the Apocrypha. So you have, I think the Old Testament story is the witch of Endor um, um, summons a spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the Apocrypha in Ecclesiasticus, there is a verse that says something like, some creatures or some spirits are created for vengeance and in their fury they lay upon sore strokes. And and so that we have always created um, these ghosts and spirits and we've always clung on and maybe it's fear of death or fear of the unknown but we've also we've always clung on to creating something that supports the idea of yeah. life beyond death.
0: Yeah and that as you say has a very ancient history doesn't it? In mm. the Torah, in the Bible, um, often forbidden occult experiences and in the in the Quran with mm. uh, spirits like the jinn and mm. the, the Shatin, the devils that were you know, appearing in the Quran, so it, it does have that long history. The origin of ghosts is really interesting, because it, it's sort of, um, it's a proto-Germanic word, gastes, and uh, the old Norse geyser comes from, to rage. So, you oh. know, we, you know, this would be the time of darkness when things that had a, a grudge, a grievance, were malign in some way. Um, so, you know, so it's that nighttime thing. We, we completely associate it with, that's the time when something would have
1: I just sort of want to go back to Ghosts for a moment, because there's a fantastic book, and um, I don't know if you remember who it's written by, um, but it's called The Natural History of Ghosts.
0: Ah, oh, I've heard of it, yeah.
1: And it's a fantastic book, because mm-hmm. it, it, it really traces our history of how we created these things, and also um, it, it looks at the, some certain key events and stories and um, that, that came up um, which really cemented in our western imaginations at least the idea of ghosts and it's a surprising amount of people who um, believe in ghosts but don't believe that they are the spirits of the dead mm-hmm. so they don't believe in mm-hmm. them in the traditional yeah. sense yeah. Um, but believe that there is something going on which we don't understand and even those people um are if if they have had any experiences or if they're able to recount any experiences that help um, broaden the discussion about what's going on even those happen at night and so 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 those so, so those folk and I guess I count myself among them that that something in the back of my mind says that at least some of these stories must have something to them and if they have something to them and I and they're not the spirits of the dead and, and I guess I don't really believe that they are. Um what is it? Is it is there some loop or 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 slight ripple in time that, that creates mm-hmm. um, a meeting of the past and the present or the or the present and the future yeah. even. Yeah. Um that we don't understand and that that, you know, physics hasn't properly explained yet. And and I I guess I'm kind of I'm open to that suggestion, I'm open to that idea. And yet even the, as I say, the examples (laughs) that people use
0: still happen at night. Well, and that is really interesting because there's a lot of um, leading-edge physics looking at the non-linear nature of time, Mm. that it isn't necessarily a straight-line arrow that points one direction, that, as you said, that echoes things from the past. Who knows what might be possible in terms of time and human echoes or or whatever that, whether that might be, but you're right even if you posit that as a theory and it has nothing to do with spirits of dead ancestors, people are still on the lookout for those things at night. So I thought I'd conclude with, with a very short Bram Stoker Dracula quote, just uh, very appropriate because, uh, no man knows till he has suffered from the night how sweet and dear to his ear and eye the morning can be. So our perception of the night, it's the second time we've talked about the night, is very rich, very wonderful. It's a, a source of stories and distorted perceptions, but we're always glad to see the daylight. You can find out more about the podcast at our website. Thanks for listening in. We'll see you at the next episode.